At Yangling, America's oldest brewery, we don't brew light beer, we brew light lager. With Yangling Light Lager's refreshing full-bodied flavor and only 99 calories, you can have it all. It's not light beer, it's Yangling Light Lager. DJ Yangling & Son, Pottsville, PA. Please drink responsibly. There's no other race quite like this one. It's such an amazing thing to see all these people just running down the street all at the same time. 60,000 runners. Running releases a lot of endorphins. It's euphoric. 3,500 volunteers. And it's just fun high-fiving all the people when they run by. 6.2 miles. I'm not too concerned about being the first in. I just don't want to be the last one. All on the 4th of July. I'm there every year. Let's get you ready. This is the Peachtree Podcast. The official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Well, thanks so much for joining us again. This is the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. I'm Jennifer Perry alongside Jay Holder of Atlanta Track Club. And for a lot of people on July 4th, this is it, Jay. And uh, it's exciting to kind of get some training tips along the way, keep people on course with that training, because that's that's a big deal. It's getting hotter right now. And a lot of people, I mean, it's easy to kind of slack off on the running right now. It is. We're five weeks away. and mm-hmm. And no matter what, happens on July 4th, it's a safe bet that it's going to be warm. Yes. (laughs) So if you need to get acclimated to that warm weather running, now is the time to toss in some runs when the sun's up. And I don't recommend going out there every day and running in the heat of the day, but now's about the time where I would like, if I were training for a 10K, I'd really want to get out there and just sort of feel the conditions that it's likely to be like on race day. Of course, we've had rain We've had days where it's in the 60s, but odds are, <laughs> the odds are it's going to be warm and sticky. So with five weeks out, we're really starting to be able to, to replicate those conditions every day here in Atlanta. And for those of you listening outside of Atlanta, uh, if you've got a sauna that you could maybe maybe <laughs> put that. your treadmill in, <laughs> that, that'll that would simulate be things pretty right. well. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we have a lot of great training tips coming up for you on today's episode. The whole point of this podcast is to get you ready for the AJC Peachtree Road Race, and a lot of great guests joining us today too. Yeah, I think the point is to get you ready, and also to just sort of uh, show people what this race is all about mm-hmm. beyond that start to finish line experience that sixty thousand people have. What else goes into it? And, and I'm really excited about today episode because we're really going to dive into some of the meat of how this event comes to be. So we're going to talk to Lisa Tanner, who's the director of events here at Atlanta Track Club. She's been here since 1996. Uh, she's done this race more times than almost anyone in this building. Wow. Um, and, and after Rich, who we heard from last week, Rich Canal, the executive director and the race director, Lisa's really the, the person with the most uh, involvement in coordinating everything. And so she's going to have a very interesting perspective. And then I, I'm perhaps most excited to have Betty Lindbergh in today. Now explain Betty's backstory here. She is not your average runner. She's not your average runner. Betty is 92 years old. 92 She's and still running. Still running and and not just running, but breaking American and world records every time she puts those shoes on. She just a couple of weeks ago ran uh, the 400 meters at our all-comers track and field meet and set the U.S. record by 45 seconds. Wow. And that video is up on your Facebook it's site, up, right? Uh, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, she's amazing. She set, she holds the world record in the 800 meters, wow. another record that she set at one of our all-comers track and field meets. And last year she said, she said on 11 Live, uh, this broadcast of the race, she said, I'm not going to do this again. This is my last AJC Peachtree Road Race. Well, lo and behold... Who was one of the first people to sign up for the AJC Peachtree <laughs> Road Race, but Betty Lindbergh. So we're going to talk to her today about what it's like to run the race. Uh, she started in her 60s, so she's been doing it for 30 years. So wow. she has a real good understanding of the event. But to run into her 90s and to run well 
uh, is, is certainly an amazing story. And then my favorite guest today, because I have a lot of questions for mm-hmm. this guy, and that is actually Atlanta Track Club's medical director, Dr. Jonathan Kim. We're going to sort through some of the fact versus the fiction when it comes to runners, injuries, health issues. You know, what can you expect if you're that newbie? But also for those people who've been running for years, I mean, I know the knees are an issue for mm-hmm. me, Jay, as I get a little <laughs> bit older, so I have a lot to sort out with this guy. Yeah, and Dr. Kim, you know, he is a, a cardiologist at, at Emory Medical, and he has done, he did last he did a study uh, just on participants of the AJC Peachtree Road Race to find out how running a 10K, just a 10K, because you can find studies about what the marathon does to the mm-hmm. body. You can find studies about the 5K, but the 10K is one of those distances that, that people, the medical community, never really dove into. So he led a study based on uh, a handful of wide-ranging AJC Peachtree Road Race participants, and he can talk a little bit about that and what he found, and I think what he found will surprise some people. The participation in this race has exploded over the years, probably beyond what anyone imagined the AJC Peachtree Road Race becoming today. 60,000 runners strong today, but we're joined by Lisa Tanner, who is the Director of Events for Atlanta Track Club, as well as Enrique Tomas, who's an assistant at the starting line, so making sure all those runners get started. Lisa. Take us back here just a little bit, because uh, we were talking earlier. This race had some pretty humble beginnings. From your perspective, did anyone see it becoming this big of a race, 60,000 runners? No, I think what I feel like is the reason for all this is the simplicity of the t-shirt. Everybody, after that first year, when they ran out of t-shirts, wanted the coveted Peachtree Finisher t-shirt. And so I feel like that's been the driving force behind this event and its growth and it's the desire for people to earn that shirt. What do you think keeps people coming back year after year? It's it, Obviously, the shirt plays a role, but, but what is it about this event that people just they need to be there? They have to be there on July 4th. Two things come to mind immediately, and that is tradition. People like to do things on July 4th, and it has become a true tradition for the whole country. And then also to be a part of something very big, and it is the world's largest 10K. So I think people like to say, I'm part of something that has 60,000 people involved. You've spent nearly 20 years with the track club, and... Obviously, you weren't here when it was a 110-person race, but you've seen it grow significantly in your time here. As the person really behind all the logistics of of putting this on, how does a 30,000-person race differ from a 60,000-person race? I think there's really not a lot of change. I think where the change comes in place is at the start with Enrique and his crew on how to get that number of people into the area. And then on our end at the finish is how to receive 60,000 people and to keep them moving through and to not slow down. But the planning is the same, whether it's for 10,000, 20,000 or 60, but it's more the movement of the masses of humanity. Enrique, talk to me a little bit about the starting line. So that's really the only time where all 60,000 people are in the same place at the same time, because then it gets spread out from there. So just tell me a little bit about the logistics that go into managing that and making sure that everybody crosses that line in a safe way. So with with 60,000 people all coming to the start, it's really about directing and communicating how they need to get to their start waves. There's 20 plus different ways that they need to get to coming from several, seven different directions, whether they're coming from the South, the North, Lennox, Marta, and just trying to get them there is kind of the biggest logistical thing there, as well as getting them hydrated and ready to go on race day. 
any tips that you have for people as they approach that starting line? Sometimes you start to see some people trying to get into a wave that they're not necessarily assigned to, but your volunteers do a really great job of, of just keeping people moving and keeping them in the right areas. That's key to making this whole thing work, isn't it? It is. So, I mean, the biggest thing is for them to come prepared. We, we as a staff put together the participant information packet, which has all the start waves, where those are going to be and how the best to get there, whether you're coming from MARTA or whether you're coming from the 400 and you got dropped off there, or if you're running to the start line, it's just really taking a look at the information we give you ahead of time to get to where you need to go. Lisa, can we talk for a moment about just getting to the starting line? Because I mean, the competition to get into this race is a story in itself. So many people want to be a part of this 4th of July tradition. How does that process roll out in the months before the AJC Peachtree Road Race? So that's been a lot of fun to see develop through the years. When I first started here, it was a paper application. And I remember running to get the AJC yes. to get it in the mail. Everybody got that. They filled it out. Many people drove to the post office down near the airport to actually drop it because that was processed first. Mm -hmm. And then there were bins and bins, you know, tens of thousands of bins that were placed in there. And our executive director went down there and selected, randomly selected bins. Um, you got you first come first serve and then at the end they were randomly selected um, what was neat about that is when we transitioned to electronic that same enthusiasm was definitely there those first few years and we saw huge numbers um, it's been a fun transition to see it go from paper to um, the online and with that people are also trying to qualify because they want to be towards the front of that they uh -huh. do not want to wait and start at the back um, mm -hmm. some people enjoy the party at the back but it a is lot, a party at the back yes um, and then a lot of people have traditions and they've done this event for 20 30 years and they've always been in waves A or B and what they don't realize is as they get older they might get a little get slower, a little slower. Yeah. I know the feeling you drop back a letter yep. every year I get it yeah, yeah. so um, there's a lot of competition in that making sure that you're able to have a time standard that you can apply when you register so that's part of the fun of it and the, there's yeah. this whole big run-up okay am I going to get into the race but yes. are there any other ways to get into the AJC Peachtree Road Race any insider secrets that you can share with us um, yes so one is Atlanta Track Club membership it gives you early registration opportunities you can also purchase a kilometer kids charity race number and that supports our kilometer kids program our youth running initiative and that is hundred and fifty dollars and a portion of that is tax-deductible um, we also have other partners, our sponsors all have the set numbers that they're able to raffle off some numbers also. Going back to talking about the starting line, obviously we have to prepare for everything. And, and a couple of years ago, we had some bad weather at the starting line. There's a pretty good plan in place here for what happens if lightning should strike or there should be some sort of weather event that causes people to, uh, to have to go back to their cars. Can you walk me through that process of what happened in, in 2015 and how everybody was kept safe through that? Yes, uh, so we work with all the local agencies and federal agencies and have a plan. We work with Phipps Plaza and Lenox Mall Security and have access to those buildings. So we knew that if there was any sort of a weather incident or another type of incident, that at any given time we would have those partners opening their doors to our participants. And we also had a spreadsheet that showed which start waves, where they were on the road would tell them if they went to Phipps and which entrance at Phipps. So we had a pretty intricate plan and it's all about working with our partners of this event in this city in order to keep everyone safe. And of course, communicating to 60,000 people all at the same time is, is, is a challenge. Atlanta Track Club has an event alert system that I think it's important that all participants are aware of before they head out uh, on July 4th. 
Yes. What's neat about that is we adopted that maybe close to 10 years ago, but it wasn't very well communicated or very widely known. So we have worked through the years to make sure that our participants are aware of it. You also see other races across the country adopting the same alert system. Um, not only is there colors that indicate the progress of the race, if there will be, if the race will happen, but also what each of those colors mean. So an action to be taken if you see the color. And that's where we've learned through the years that um, it's all about communicating and educating to make sure everyone stays safe. Of course, we hope that it's green all morning on the 4th. Yes. And, and so we talked about what happens when bad things happen. But, but Enrique, tell me a little bit just about the vibe at the starting line. Are people nervous? Are people, I mean, it's, I know it's hard to generalize 60,000 people, but what's, I've never been there. I spend my time at the finish line. What, what's the general mood and feeling of the people that you're seeing step up to that line? So all morning, it's, I mean, it's almost a controlled chaos. Everybody's just so excited, so ready to go. The minute that the, they start playing the national anthem on the, on the stage at the front, you just hear everybody, it goes, it goes drop dead silent. Everybody's ready and ready to go. Then you're just seeing people walking around looking for their waves and you just see groups of people, families, all, all hanging out and really excited, ready to run. As soon as the waves are about to go off, everybody's cheering and yelling, and it's just something you can't see anywhere else. And you have to have that enthusiasm carrying through from those elite runners, that go, from the wheelchair runners even, that go off at 6.43 through that last wave of people who are just as excited at what, what time's the final wave go off. Uh, final wave goes off around 9.30. So that's a, that's a long time to keep that level of enthusiasm up, but, but you guys have managed to do it year after year. Start. Mm-hmm. You've really kind of turned that into an art form there at the starting <laughs> line, but uh, that's the thing. It's Everyone's, a fancy dance that we, that really we do is. up there. Yeah, it's impressive. That part alone, just getting to the starting line, I think all of our runners are going to appreciate that this year if it's your first time going through this process. But there's no cooler moment than going under that giant American flag, too, and, and watching the fly over there. So there is this atmosphere, but there's also the issue of people – I, I think even if you're planning on walking at the start, it's almost impossible to do. I'm sure you see pretty much every wave get off to that fast start because they're all pumped up and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you hear the gun go off, you, you just have to take off. Whether, whether you're walking or running, it's, you just know it's go. So even when we were little kids, if somebody says go, you start going. Yeah. It's, there's, there's no slowdown there. Well, if anyone has ever watched the AJC Peachtree Road Race, whether on TV or you're one of those spectators who turns out every year, you notice the costumes. But I have to ask, since you've seen so many waves go by, Enrique, what's the most unique costume or interesting costume that you've seen over the years? It's it's almost there's almost too many to count the the number of people that are just fully body painted into different things. <laughs> I think one year I saw a bald eagle. They had painted their heads white. It was a group of them completely painted just like that and good thing and, you didn't yeah. see him at the finish line then <laughs> i don't know about body paint i don't, I don't know how much they look the like heat. an eagle at that point i don't know about that but uh lisa any other insight that you have as the director of events for the ajc peachtree road race anything you've seen over the years or any tips that you can offer our runners this year who are in the preparation phase right now I think the biggest thing is to actually prepare. I think a lot of people see this as not a 10K, but a social event. Yes. So we do see some people coming across that line that maybe should have started training or trained at all, <laughs> um, but they do it because it's a tradition and it's not about a race. So I think that's kind of the neat thing about this is this is a social event. Um, I feel more than a race for many. 
great point, especially for those first time runners. And uh, you do have to do a little bit of training for this particular race. But uh, what about for the veterans, Lisa? Anything new this year that's going to make this experience even better? Well, I think what we try to do, and we've done this for a few years now, is we do publish start wave start times mm -hmm. and we stick to those times. The guys at the start do a great job on making sure we adhere to those. And what that does is it kind of spreads out the crowd and the masses on MARTA on making their way off the MARTA platforms up to the street. So it hopefully in is what we're seeing in creating a more pleasant experience for the participants arriving on race morning. Melissa Tanner and Enrique Tomas from Atlanta Track Club. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Peachtree Podcast. Thanks. You're welcome. Time now for this week's Peachtree Podcast training tip. Hi, I'm Neely Gracie, top American at the 2016 AJC Peachtree Road Race. This week's training tip is about keeping cool before starting your journey to Piedmont Park. Atlanta in July is bound to be hot, so show up prepared. The night before, freeze two eight ounce plastic bottled waters. On race morning, keep one frozen bottle in each hand until the last minute before you start. This will help keep your body cooler because heat transfer occurs rapidly in the palms of your hands, which allows you to cool the body more quickly. Well, that is this week's training tip. I will see you at the finish line. This week's training tips brought to you by PNC. Know how much you're spending and on what each and every month. Know you're on track with your bills and upcoming payments. Know you have an entire cheering section at PNC Bank with PNC Virtual Wallet. Get all the details at pnc.com slash virtual wallet. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. I hadn't thought of that, Jay, you know, just keeping the cold bottles on hand before the race so that you're not overheating. It has been hot enough on the 4th of July before where you're sweating even before the race begins. Yeah. And if anybody knows running in hot weather, it, it's Neely Gracie. She ran the Boston Marathon in 2016. It was her first marathon and she it was it was not a great day that day for running 26.2 miles. It was very warm. Uh, and she was actually top American, ran 235. So wow. she's really perfected that. And it, it was not as humid as it's going to be here in Atlanta, but it was also a lot longer. So she's really perfected that strategy of, of staying cool uh, when the weather doesn't quite cooperate with your race plans. I know you've been particularly excited about our next guest. You recently had a chance to catch up with what might be the oldest runner of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Have you verified that based on the records? I don't believe she's the oldest. I okay. think there's a guy that's that's maybe a couple months older than her. But Betty, uh, when you talk about elite runners, Betty Lindbergh is an elite runner. She's a world and American record holder in her age group, which is the 90 plus age group. She holds the world record in the 800 meters. She recently, just last month, set the U.S. record in the 400 meters, and she's going to be running 10K on July 4th. Betty Lindbergh running the AJC Peachtree Road Race, something she's done since she was in her 60s. 30 years later, she's still out there, and she has some advice that all of us, young, old, in between, can use when we're running the AJC Peachtree Road Race. So I'm here with Betty Lindbergh, who uh, just last week at this taping set the a new American record in the 400 meters. Betty, do you remember what your time was? Of course, three <laughs> minutes and five seconds. And so everybody knows that the old record that stood for 21 years was three minutes and 46 seconds? 345. 345, okay, so beat the old record by, by 39 seconds, uh, which, is, which is huge and... Uh, that's not your first record. You'd set the world and American record last year in the 800 meters. 
and then went on to run the AJC Peachtree Road Race a couple months later. And I remember watching an interview with you during that race in which you said, I'm not doing this anymore. This is my last one. But then lo and behold, I go and look at the signups <laughs> this year and who's one of the first people to sign up but Betty. It which always she's happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you finish and you say, sometime on 14th Street, I usually say to myself, this is it. Mm-hmm. You are hurting. Don't ever do this again. And of course, when you finish, you're exhausted and that. And so when people ask me, are you going to do it? Oh, no, mm-hmm. this is it and that. But then on the ride home, you usually say, well, next year I'm going to have So to it's not like a couple of weeks went by. No, no. <laughs> you weren't even home yet before you were making plans. For I know what, I, yeah, what mm-hmm. I have to do mm-hmm. next year to get make it more pleasant. And what is that? You have to train more. Mm-hmm. And, and you get that set mindset that says, you can do it. I mean, mm-hmm. don't miss it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And of course, soon as you put out this notice in the it's time to get to sign up for the Peach Street. Like you say, I'm one of the first ones mm-hmm. to do it. Why is this such an important tradition for you? You've been doing this about 30 years, right? Yeah, I was 64 when mm-hmm. I did the first. Okay, so a little under, yeah. yeah. So why, why is it such an important tradition for you? I guess because it's such a challenge. And I just figure, well, I feel like I can do it. I'm, I'm going to give it a try. Let's see if we can. I just can't imagine waking up on the 4th of July still laying in bed and turn on the TV and watch the people doing peach tree. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to have a broken leg or something, you know. You did, you did have an injury recently. Well, I did have a hip replaced a couple of years okay. ago. Since the end of last year, I did have a left knee that was hurting me. Mm-hmm. But after about three months, I finally got that fixed and mm-hmm. stopped hurting. So. so obviously you knew what the world record was and the, the American record was going into the 400 last yeah. week. So were you training specifically for that event? Yes. I knew also what the world record mm-hmm. was, which was 2 minutes 46 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so about um, oh, three weeks before the event, I got, had a chance to use a track and I went out and gave it a try. Mm-hmm. And whoa! <laughs> I mean, it was three minutes and 40 seconds to get around that Really? Track. Yes. I said, oh my gosh. I mean, there's no chance that I'm going to do beat the world record. Mm-hmm. But let's see what we can do on the USA mm-hmm. record. Because I knew that was three minutes and 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I guess I... I trained pretty well in those three weeks. Yeah, you shaved 35 <laughs> seconds off that, off that test right. Do you think it was, was it the training and a combination of the crowd was, was pretty into it those last hundred meters? Oh my goodness. Yes, it was both of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did train for it and uh, gave it everything I had that last hundred meters. I mean, I, I saw that finish line, and that's what I was concentrating on. You know, mm-hmm. just, can I get, I've got to get there. And, of course, I heard the crowd cheering and clapping, and the announcer was saying something. That I was me. Know, that was you. <laughs> I don't know what you were saying. I was counting down for you. <laughs> I was trying to get him to be louder, because I figured any support we could give. <laughs> well, it was, thank you, thank mm-hmm. you for it, because, you know, who, who's going to stop at that point with all these people cheering and mm-hmm. laughing suddenly this quiet descends on the mm-hmm. stadium and what happened you know she stopped what mm-hmm. happened to her 
People, I think people think that 400 meters is just one lap around the track, but yeah. it's that's a long race if you're going for a specific time. Yeah. At what point in the race did you know, okay, I've got this? I knew I had to have it from the very start. I had read up on it and I found out that the 400 is probably one of the toughest ones to do because you have to give it everything you have the 400 meters, you can't start out slow and then say, I'm going to kick it in that last 100 because by that time, you're going to be hurting so bad because <laughs> you've been done doing everything you could. And so I started out and I think when I hit about the 300 meter mark, I suddenly was tired and I started to walk instead of I was running. Mm -hmm. My running is pretty... Ridiculous. I don't know about but. that. I saw the video. You looked pretty good with the 100 meter. You might not have been feeling good, but that video, you look like you're Oh, I was, just I was crushing it. Mm -hmm. No, there was no sprinting down that last 100 meters. Mm -hmm. But uh, I started to walk a few things that some people were clapping over there on that side. I thought, this is not the time to start walking. Give it. Go ahead and give it. You've only got another 100. Do it. Well, I, I know the attention after the 800 was, was huge. What's it been like for you since getting this new U.S. title? I feel like I've turned on the TV a couple of times and, oh, hey, there's Betty on the news. <laughs> oh, there's Betty in my news feed on the Internet. Have you gotten a lot of interview requests? Well, I was, Channel 11 did come out and do an interview, and they sort of combined last year's interview and this year's. Mm -hmm. And I see the Fox 5 picked up something, and then I've seen a few things on the mm -hmm. Internet that, that uh, people have had write-ups, but uh, yeah, it's been very interesting. <laughs> I, I know that you you have the records in mind when you set out for these races, but I know we've talked before, and that's not your main motivation. No, I just want to see if I could start and finish. I have never not finished a race. I haven't been the last in all of them, pretty close to the last, but I haven't been the last, but I've always started and I've always finished, and Hopefully, I've done a little better than I did the last time. Does the notoriety and the the support from the fans along the along the track and now along Peachtree, how does that add to the experience? Well, I'm always surprised that people are saying, "Well, hi Betty, how are you doing?" Mm -hmm. I go, oh, "Are you the one that did?" Yes, I'm the one that did that. <laughs> and I'm I'm surprised. I am. Uh, I'm sort of a quiet individual myself. Mm -hmm. I I don't mind doing. The Peachtree and the five Ks and that because I'm sort of by my you know not, and a lot mm -hmm. of people seeing me. Mm -hmm. But when I was out there in that uh, sixth position and mm -hmm. that, and there was nobody else. You can't. They always say you can't hide on the track. You can't <laughs> hide. Oh, I found that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So it's just always interesting that people do recognize mm -hmm. me, and if I'm inspiring them. I really don't think I am. I think you are. <laughs> I guess when people say, well, she's 92, but I don't feel 92. Mm -hmm. When people say, are surprised at my age, I guess I'm, I'm surprised that they, I guess they figure that I shouldn't be out there. I don't know if it's the age. I, for me, what's inspiring is the attitude. And I don't think that that has, I mean, I think that the attitude that you have as a 92-year-old or the attitude if you had that you had as a 64-year-old, to me, that's, that's what I think motivates people who might say, I can't do this. Well, if that's what it does, yeah. and if I can inspire somebody to keep going, I know a number of people will say, well, I'm going to see if I can keep, keep going until I'm 92. I said, well, I'll be around. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> let's, actually, let's talk about, for people who don't know, 
You said you started, did you start running at, at 64, or is that when you just started doing the, the peach tree? The right peach tree at the 64, no. I had seen my daughter and son-in-law do the peach tree when I was 63. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I could do that, you know, that looks. And so I did, just by myself, go out in my neighborhood and start running. So I ended it did it when I was 64. And um, I did run for about seven, eight years, and then I found I was running for a few blocks, and then I'd have to walk for a few blocks, and then I'd run. And then I saw some race walkers at an event, and so I took race walking lessons. Mm -hmm. And uh, I try to incorporate that in my, that's all I do is walk and mm -hmm. race walk now, so that uh, mm -hmm. I can keep moving, and uh, oh, I don't run. Were you involved in athletics or running at all before 64? Oh, no. Yeah. I was strictly a couch potato. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in one interview I had, I said, well, in my generation, girls did not do sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most active was maybe hopscotch or something mm -hmm. like that. But, but I mean, track and field, oh no, that was a boys sport, girls mm -hmm. didn't. We didn't play baseball, didn't play softball, or anything when, you were, when I was a kid back in the 30s. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, women didn't compete in the marathon until 1984. Yeah, mm -hmm. they didn't think we were capable of doing it and there was no, you know, pressure to do it or no inspiration in mm -hmm. that. So from the 400 now to the 10K, I know you have a, you have a trainer now that you're working with. What, what will be your focus in training and how will that change over the next couple of months? Well, last Saturday when I did the, the training for the peach tree, we did four miles. Mm -hmm. You're in one of the in-training groups? Yeah, over at the Town Brookhaven. Town Brookhaven, yeah. okay. Yeah, I know that that's necessary. I didn't do it last year, mm -hmm. and I could see the, that I needed to train this year again. And I know I've done it before, and it really helps. So we did four miles, and I know that my quads were hurting like mm -hmm. crazy in the last. So when I saw my trainer yesterday, I said, I know what we have to work <laughs> on. So that's what we're going to work mm -hmm. on, is getting the quads strengthened, and then endurance just that's the two things you mm -hmm. need to do the peach tree. Yeah, and getting used to the, the heat. Yes, there's no escaping that. Yeah. <laughs> Is the trainer a recent addition to your to your workout regime? or? Yes, I just started him about the first part of March. Okay. I found out he's big help for me. I mean, mm -hmm. he worked both upper and lower body, and I'm sure that he was a great help to make so I could do the 400 as mm -hmm. I did it. I know that the Peachtree in the past has been a, f a family event for you. Are you planning on running with family again this year? Yes, my son and my daughter-in-law, and I have two adult grandsons have all signed up for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, the two boys, 21 and 25, they mm -hmm. take off. And we let them go, but my son and my daughter-in-law stay with me. Mm -hmm. and like I said, I think they just want to be sure that mom doesn't keel over and <laughs> drag me the rest. Of the it's not going to happen. <laughs> I always feel like I'm keeping them because they're, they can do it a lot faster than I yeah, could. Well, what's but, the fun in that? Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's it. It's a peach fam tree peach is, is a fun. Mm -hmm. If you're not in those first few that really want to set a record, just a, a personal record in that, mm -hmm. I mean, the rest of us are out there. Just let us get from Lennox to Piedmont Park mm -hmm. and have fun on the top way. Do you think it's going to be this year where you, you know, four or five miles in, you say... I'm not doing this again, and then on the car ride home, you'll commit to the to the 2018 ABCP Street Road Race. Well, I guess I better not because mm -hmm. I know now it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, my mind may say, "Betty, all right, remember this. Remember this pain. Remember this agony." Mm -hmm.
I know that your your motto is keep moving. That's it. And I do want to make a poster that says keep moving. I saw We've you said that. We've got to have t-shirts and, and posters, I think. Yes, I agree. And, it's, and, and, and I will get the ball rolling on that as long as you're okay with it. Do you ever stop moving? Do you ever say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a break. No, not unless I, something has come up like this left knee hurting for about three months. I mean, I, I didn't do anything. I went to physical therapy, and I kept asking, can I go out and hit the road again? And they said, well, sure, but if it hurts, stop. <laughs> well, yeah, it hurts. <laughs> so that's what happened. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing you on race day on July 4th. Following your training, any races in between now and then, or is it? Well, you know, you've got this Braves. I think on, in June. June tenth. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never been out to the new stadium, and with little old gray-haired ladies driving down the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get your son to go with you. I'm really excited about that one. Okay. It's going to be hilly. I warn you of that, though. That I know it's, the it's area. It's hilly out yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, maybe we'll see you at Braves. If not, we'll see you on uh, on Peachtree and Lennox. I'll be there. All right. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, you know, as they say. All right. Keep moving. Thank you. Thanks, Betty. What an inspiration. I mean, Jay, I hope I'm still running at that stage. I hope I'm still running 30 years from now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's really incredible. And, and I just, I've been watching Betty for a while now. And, and I, like I think many people, never get tired of seeing her accomplish these amazing goals. Check out the video. If you haven't seen it, you can check out Atlanta Track Club on Facebook or Twitter there and look for that video if you need a little last-minute inspiration before the AJC Peachtree Road Race. And if you need a little sustained energy, as an (laughs) athlete, you need nutrition for sustained energy. Cliff Bar can help. Cliff Bars taste great and are made with a nutritious blend of organic rolled oats and wholesome ingredients to keep you feeling and performing your best. With multiple carbohydrate sources and an optimal blend of protein, fat, and fiber, Cliff Bar helps maximize performance during exercise. Whether an hour at the gym, an epic hike, or all day on course, Cliff Bar helps feed your adventure. Be sure to stop by the Cliff Bar booth at the Peachtree Health and Fitness Expo and try some. I always like the free samples that they have at the expo, Jay, because I, you do need a little fuel on these longer you know, hot runs. It's like going to Costco. You can just eat your way through an expo and come out full. You don't want to eat too much that no, close to the race. don't overdo it. But, but it's tempting. Who better to talk about the actual health impacts of running a 10K? We're joined today by AJC Peachtree Road Race Medical Director, Dr. Jonathan Kim, to kind of sort through the fact versus the fiction. Great to have you with us, Dr. Kim. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, Jay, I think we have to talk to him first about his role on race day and what actually happens kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I got to see it for the first time last year, and, and there's there are few busier people on race day than Dr. Kim. And and, and Dr. Kim, I, I know there's a lot of planning that goes goes into preparing the various medical tents and the team stage along the course for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. But, but what specifically are you guys preparing for with a race on July 4th in Atlanta? First, uh, it's important to note that it is a massive team. And I think as the AJC Peachtree Road Race has grown, uh, one of the things that certainly I've recognized uh, being a part of this over the last couple of years is that it takes an army. And so um, our medical planning committee is comprised of a lot of folks who have a lot of experience and expertise. Some folks at uh, Emory with me, Dr. Lakshmi Kumar and Sam Shardar uh, over at Emory and Matt Marshall, who's also a part of the medical planning committee. And then there's a whole host of others as we all think about how to make the medical care that we provide the runners uh, second to none. And so uh, that's what we think about. We think about the runners uh, as they finish. We're 
primarily located at the finish line and recognizing that it's 4th of July and there are going to be a lot of uh, heat exhausted runners. And Mm -hmm. so being prepared to handle um, those, hopefully with just mild heat exhaustion, but of course, medical emergencies uh, from mild to very serious. Um, We also work in partnership with Atlanta Fire, Greater EMS all throughout the course. Uh, looking over, looking after runners who may have medical issues or injured themselves or, again, um, have a significant uh, cardiac event. And then we think about even runners at the start. So from start to finish, um, how are we best going to handle these runners Uh, and certainly making sure that we have the logistics in place? And it's uh, a year-to-year thing. This is my second year in this position, but uh, even into the second year, you learn a lot year-to-year about um, how to continue to improve what we do. Last year, I know, it, as you mentioned, it was warm last year and we had a lot of to people. To say the least. Yeah, we had a lot of people. I, it, you guys were busy. It was a busy day, but it never at any point seemed like anyone was waiting for care. Anybody was turned away. I mean, you were prepared for that. And obviously, you're prepared for worst case scenarios. Tell me about some of the, the sheer volume of ice and towels and uh, and gurneys that you have prepared ready for 60,000. Obviously, all 60,000 of them aren't going to come in, but you're prepared if they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this goes to the uh, just the volunteers and the whole track club in general. I mean, this race has been going on many more years than I've been involved. And so uh, members of the planning committee that have put together the list of resources from ice to towels, you mentioned that it was very hot last year. And the one thing that we've learned and that I think we're going to be better prepared for this year is actually having more towels <laughs> um, and, and more ice available because that's the last thing we want to be short on. So it, it is quite uh, it is quite an undertaking from uh, from a lot of different folks just to be able to to handle that. You have to credit all of the volunteers as well. You mentioned that all the runners that made it into the tents were uh, handled quickly. And uh, those guys know what they're used to seeing. They know it's primarily heat exhaustion. They know the the questions to ask, the signs and symptoms to look for. And they're on these runners right away, ensuring that they get ice cold towels applied uh, expeditiously as they monitor them seems like we're talking about the heat a lot, but this is the major issue with this race. Are there any warning signs that people should look for? And, and what do you recommend if you start to feel some of the symptoms of heat exhaustion or heat stroke along the way? I think it starts even up front. Last year, we knew it was going to be hot. We tried to promote that out. Um, I think one of the uh, beauties of the road race is you have a lot of runners who want to be a part of it um, who aren't serious runners. They want to do it because of the tradition, and that's mm-hmm. fantastic. But that also introduces the possibility that you may have some individuals who may not be completely trained enough for the race right? um, or maybe have some medical conditions. So I think it starts in the beginning, just warning runners when it's going to be a hot day that this may not be the best day to try to hit your PR. Um, Just if you want to be out there, that's fine. Uh, But understand that is going to be hot. And uh, so the things to watch for are certainly when you begin to not feel right and becoming exhausted, becoming nauseous, starting to feel uh, confused even or short of breath. um, All of these classic symptoms are uh, obviously signs and symptoms to watch for. And those are the things that we look out for in the medical tents as well, looking at mental status, uh, of course, right right away. And then how, how these runners look coming in to understand exactly where on the spectrum of heat exhaustion that they lie. You've actually done some really interesting research, though, on runners in the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Can we talk about that? Because I think it's really interesting because you actually looked at key runners in the Peachtree itself and kind of studied what the impact was. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, we were very interested in um, kind of the impact of this type distance race would be on the heart. There's been a lot of data um, looking at ultra endurance type races, marathons, of course, and showing kind of the impact of what happens to the heart function wise. Uh, also, what uh, some of the enzymes that are released from the heart uh, due to the stress of the race. Um, this has all been very well studied in the marathon, but not at the 10K race. Mm -hmm. The other advantage we had was because it's such a popular distance, 5K, 10K, as we thought we could look really across the spectrum of age. Nobody's looked at that. So how does an older heart respond to this uh, compared to somebody who's 18 years old even? Um, so that was kind of the, the impetus um, was the very simple question was, okay, well, the 510K is way more popular. A lot more uh, runners engage in this distance. Um, do we see some similar uh, findings, changes in physiology at that race distance that we can, um, that a lot of runners, I'm sure, certainly uh, even on my side and the cardiology side, have always been interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we took it the next step, not just looking at that, but asking a second second question, which would be, well, what about the, the impact of age? And that was, I think, one of the more novel aspects of the study. So what'd you find there? Is there any lasting impact? Does it do any damage? Or should we be watching out, especially as older runners, for those heart issues? Certainly no damage. That's okay. probably the key finding. Now, these were obviously self-selected runners. They're running the, particularly the older runners. So mm -hmm. there's not... Um, but they it, run often, right? That's right. They're, so, yeah. I mean, if you're 70 years old and you're running the peach tree, you're already kind of self-selected into a population that's probably healthier and mm -hmm. probably a long history of running. So they were, there was a bit of selection bias there. But nonetheless, we found that at this race distance, none of the findings that happen after a marathon race occur after a 10K. Uh, I want to uh, emphasize that even at the marathon race, there's no data to suggest that this is quote, end quote, bad for you, that the changes that occur there. There's some other controversial questions that come about that. But for the sake of uh, these just changes specifically, we did not see that at the 10K race. We saw some interesting changes in some of the enzymes that are released from the heart, um, which I think is very interesting just from an exercise physiology state, because uh, the 18-year-old's blood profile looked very different than the 70-year-old's blood hmm. profile. Okay. Uh, again, these are all not quote unquote bad for you type changes, but just some interesting changes which suggest that uh, the way the heart responds to any sort of endurance exercise changes and evolves as you get older, uh, which is something that probably a lot of people would assume, but um, not actually been shown. So it opens the door for some other interesting questions to look at exactly, uh, specifically kind of what this all means. So, so tell me a little bit about who these people were and, and how you how you tested them. So I know that you said that they were a wide range of ages, but were we talking about elite runners? Are we talking about middle of the pack people? And then were they tested right before and right after the race? How did you gather that data? We wanted to really study folks uh, across the spectrum of talent. So these were, we didn't specifically say we wanted you to be uh, ultra elite in terms of how fast you were, how many miles you ran. We targeted age. We wanted healthy runners, so we certainly excluded anybody with clear um, pathologic type disease processes. Of course, if you're running a 10K, chances are you're probably pretty healthy. You're already kind of excluding a lot of folks that you would uh, consider to be unhealthy. But we looked at 18 to 20 year old runners, 45 to 50 year old runners, and then mastered, uh, even more master runners, 70 to 75. And they were studied before, uh, right before the race. So within one to two days, we studied them at the expo with uh, cardiac imaging. We uh, got ultrasounds of the heart, which are called echocardiograms. And we drew blood um, to look specifically at these uh, chemical markers I was talking about. And then we did the exact same thing uh, right afterwards, though the echoes were a little bit more limited, um, specifically looking at changes in function because and we anticipated that the heart would look similar otherwise from a structural standpoint. But we were really looking for changes in function. So those headlines I see that, that get me to click that tells me that running a marathon or running a 10K is, 
is going to shorten my life by eight minutes per mile or whatever the clickable headline is, I should take that with a grain of salt in the future. Well, the one headline you're talking about mm-hmm. mentioned that um, just running a little bit mm-hmm. actually did increase uh, years to your life, and that's important work. But mm-hmm. to get to the crux of the question, absolutely. If there's one, uh, I will certainly submit that there are controversies out there. There's some provocative data about ultra-endurance athletes and some heart arrhythmias and weakening of the heart in terms of function and even accelerated uh, blockages in the coronaries. But there's still much we don't know. And there's a lot of very good epidemiologic data to support that elite and ultra-endurance athletes actually uh, live just as long, if not longer, than uh, matched members in the general population. Do you see a difference between the lifelong runner and the person that maybe started at 40, 50, uh, adding running into their into their repertoire, do you see a difference in the impact on their heart? That's a really interesting question. I think one of the things, and this is something that I don't think has been entirely captured in the literature, is that there are a lot of individuals out there who get into ultra-endurance exercise to get away from previous uh, a previous risky, um, mm-hmm. if you will, life, a mm-hmm. cardiac risk. So maybe they were big smokers, maybe they had a terrible diet, and then one day they woke up and they were like, boy, I need to start getting healthy, and then they get the itch. Uh, they do their first marathon, and now they become addicted to something healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in all of these... Uh, and most of the prior data, I should say, that has, I don't think that's been adequately captured. So for somebody who's 70 and they've been running their whole life since 20, um, well, then you certainly can't use that same argument. But I see many patients in my clinic that uh, are 60 or 50 and they've been doing marathons, triathlons. And then when I start really digging, peeling back the layers, if they're symptomatic or if they're concerned, well, then they started mentioning how, you know, I did actually smoke a pack a day for 15 years and, uh, and my mm-hmm. diet was really bad. Or, uh, yeah, I used to have my cholesterol is really high. Or even while still being very active, their eating habits aren't entirely healthy because they feel so good. <laughs> uh, the exercise makes them feel that like they can do anything. And that's certainly not the case. That is definitely something I don't endorse. You have to keep living a heart healthy life. Just because you exercise doesn't mean you can eat whatever you want. And that is a, a bit of a stereotypical, notorious backstory for a lot of uh, ultra-endurance athletes out there. Let's bust through more of those stereotypes about running. I know you're very focused on the athlete's heart and the Mm -hmm. cardiology part of this, Dr. Kim, but uh, there's a lot of fact versus fiction out there when it comes to running in general. So I'd like to start in this rapid fire round here with you by talking about the main criticism you hear typically from friends and family who find out that you've started running and they're they're like, oh, you're just going to tear your body up. Is that fact or is it fiction? (laughs) Well, I'm certainly not an orthopedic sports medicine guy. I can say being a runner my whole life that maybe the knees ache a little bit more. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, we just need to get you in the right shoes. If you tried the peach tree rider. That's right. That's right. Uh, so I, I can't pretend to be an expert uh, on that, but I would say that the benefits of aerobic exercise, which it certainly includes running, um, are tried and true. And that is always a thing I state to all my uh, athletes I encounter in practice or just on the streets when they hear what I do is that exercise is medicine. So um, I, I can't find a reason to say that you shouldn't do it. Well, let's talk about the battle of the sexes here. Running, does it affect women differently than it does men? That is a great question. Um, I would say, number one, that as many things when it comes to uh, the study of uh, females in science, unfortunately, females have been underrepresented. Um, We're starting to do a much better job of that. I think that is a priority in the sports cardiology world is to really focus more on uh, on female uh, athletes uh, and female runners, for sure. I will say that we do know a little bit. I think the studies have shown that this question of 
endurance exercise and what we call coronary calcifications or these blockages uh, that we find in the coronaries is less prevalent in women. So that's mm -hmm. good news, I would say, if you're a female runner out there. Um, that being said, um, doesn't completely clear, uh, I think, female runners out of the woods for all of these type of questions because we just haven't studied them as well. And mm -hmm. that is, I think, a priority for all scientists in, in the arena. Even when it comes to the athlete's heart, we do know that the female athletic heart, there's less kind of some of these kind of adaptations that we see in the male heart. A lot of, uh, I would say, speculation as to why that may be the case, but nobody really understands why. Well, let's talk about this notion that you don't get nearly as many health benefits out of running on the treadmill versus running outside. Have you kind of looked at the difference there? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, again, to be transparent, I, I don't know if uh, there's data to support that, but mm -hmm. I would say that kind of just the aerobic physiology, whether you're in the treadmill or outside, um, should really be the same. All right. Interesting insight here and uh, busting through some of the fact versus the fiction when it comes to running and the health benefits. But overall, I mean, I think you have to appreciate 60,000 people who are willing to get out there and try that 6.2 mile trek. And uh, certainly it, it can't be a bad thing. We have to watch out for the heat. So that's probably the biggest issue. But uh, it's, it's good to know that running can be very good for you. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think it's certainly safe to say there's been a running boom since the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, a lot, of, I think the stats are in 1990, there were 5 million road race finishers and uh, that almost quadrupled as of 2013. The numbers have leveled over the last couple of years, but there are a lot of folks interested and they're interested in for the right reasons. And um, yeah, we, we want to keep seeing these numbers for the peach tree and we'll keep trying to keep them healthy. You bring up a good point, Dr. Kim. It's your, you and your team that keeps our 60,000 people safe every year, and, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Dr. Jonathan Kim there, the AJC, Peachtree Road Race Medical Director. Some great information, a lot of great information again on today's show. I loved having Betty on the show, and uh, more fun next week, Jay. Yeah, we're going to talk about one of the things that I think is really deeply ingrained in this race, and that's tradition. And the first thing that everybody thinks about when they think of AJC, Peachtree Road Race Traditions, is the finisher's t-shirt. So we're yes. going to talk to Shay Harbaugh. She won last year's contest. Uh, you're going to hear about how we told her that she was the winner and that, that moment uh, that she found out that her design was on 60,000 t-shirts. We also have race historian Janet Muck. She knows all the ins and outs of what's transpired over the years. A lot of insight there too. The woman knows more about the AJC Peachtree Road Race than most people have forgotten. She runs our archives here at Atlanta Track Club and she has some stories that will really surprise you, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, she's seen it all. So we're going to we're gonna hear from her and uh, kind of dig into that treasure trove of information she has. And we're also going to talk to Amy Begley. We've talked to her before. We're going to bring her back, talk about uh, where you should be a month out. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't started training yet, get on that this we week. Don't wait till next week. Right. But where should you be right now? Right. And she's, so she's going to let us know where you should be if you're going to try to run 40 minutes or you're going to try to run an hour and a half what point in your training you should be at one month out from the race. Well, it's all coming up right here next week. Join us again on the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. <laughs>